Hello and welcome okay. to another edition of Kaleidoscope. This is Magda Zenon recording from Nicosia and with me from North Cyprus, we have Lebokong Botloko. Welcome Lebokong. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you with me. To introduce you to the listeners, you are a student at EMU, the Eastern Mediterranean University. You're a podcaster and a woman's rights advocate. Yes, I am. But do you tell me more about yourself? Um, firstly, I am Lavahaba Koko, as said. I am a woman's rights advocate and I am constantly advocating for women and mostly ch- women and children, but not forgetting all marginalized groups. Um, I've been very passionate about activism for about six years now, but I've been working with an organization in North Cyprus called Voices for International Students for three years, and I am currently the head of the gender-related issues. Um, I'm also an author of an anthology named Thoughts. I published in 2020. Yes. And what is thought? Is it a is it a is it poetry or short stories? It's poetry. Okay, in yes. English. Yes, in English. It's available on Amazon as well, actually. Okay, <laughs> afterwards, I'll you can send me the link and we can put it up online. Um, Definitely. To start the conversation, and then we'll go to what burns in your heart about women's rights. Just give me a short history about voice because when reading about it. It's quite interesting with the reason why Voice started. Yes. Voice Cyprus started because of the marginalization of students on the island. It's not a secret that um, we are the group of people that are shunned upon, regardless of how much we benefit the society and how much we're told that North Cyprus is a student-friendly place. So... Voice Cyprus started to stand as a voice, literally, because there's certain things that students cannot do by themselves and we needed to be courageous enough to come forward. And thus far, I'd say Voice Cyprus has done a lot for students, but we continue to try our best to do more and whatever we can, to be honest, in our power, as we are also students here, you know. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, why did you come to North Cyprus? Where are you originally from? I'm from Botswana. Okay, so we're neighbours because I'm from South Africa. <laughs> we had this conversation. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, why did you come to Cyprus? Why did you come to North Cyprus? Um, To be quite frank, it was not my first option. But one of the things that I think more than... Almost everybody can say the same is the 50% scholarship. Money is a thing and it's quite enticing, you know. So it was the 50% scholarship and also a friend, well, somebody that I knew was here. So I thought, hey, why not apply? It was mid-COVID, so things were quite hectic. I was just trying to get out of Botswana, not knowing <laughs> what I was going to find in, the, in front. Okay, yeah. what did you find? Are you happy with what you found? <laughs> <laughs> no, because no. <laughs> no, not really. The standard of things um is quite subpar. It's not what I expected, to be honest. And I suppose the language barrier is also a very huge factor in this. 
um, because generally being unable to communicate as well, it causes many problems in society in general. It's not just school, but hospitals um, and even essential services such as the bus services. It's quite hard to communicate. And another thing I'd say is not being able to find jobs. So the reliance is mostly on my parents. So it's like, sometimes I just feel like I wish I could do more in terms of earning the earning money side outside of like working with boys. Okay. I, I mean, that's a big issue. The question of not being able to find a part-time job is a very big issue for a lot of um, students. Yes. Because you do yes. not want to be reliant on either just your scholarship or your parents because it's usually not enough. And mm-hmm. nice to feel as if you're doing something for yourself. Um, tell me, though, what got you involved in women's rights? Why women's rights? And don't give me that um, you're a woman because it's not always because you're a woman. <laughs> Definitely not because we are because I'm a woman, but it should be the case. <laughs> um, the reason why I got involved with women's rights is because I've just always, since I was a child, actually, I've always been an observant person. So I've always wondered like why things happen the way they do, why women are marginalized. Obviously it wasn't marginalized at the time, but the certain things I was seeing happening around me. And then there was also um, a history of sexual sexual harassment. So that also kind of got me angry and knowing that it's not if you've been assaulted or if you've been harassed, but when. So I decided that it was time for if it was time to be the voice rather. Okay. Or just not not just for myself, but for the women around me as well. Okay. I mean I realized that it was quite a recent revelation that I came into women's rights quite late in life because living in apartheid South Africa, the main discrimination that was in my face was race. So I wasn't mm-hmm. looking at the women's rights, even though I knew yeah. that black women in South Africa had it worse than the black men because they were yeah. women. So we um so coming in coming to Cyprus, did you realize this more so? Because I'm sure sexual harassment was rampant in Botswana. Definitely. Um to be very honest, if I was to if it was a case of comparison, I'd say Botswana is much worse in terms of um gender based violence. Okay. Because Africa is. Africa, exactly. I was going to get into that because there's a lot of, there's a lack of education. And because of this, in as much as, yes, we're speaking about gender-based violence every day, we're trying to, but if there's no actual, inf- um, this, if there's no actual, I don't know how to exactly put it, but like, mm. just they, if they educate men at a younger age and also trying to educate women to recognize gender based violence and how to combat injustice, you see. So because of that, we can never really have a change because it's just speaking and speaking and speaking, but nothing is happening with policies, nothing is happening in positions of power. Um, I know that uh, Voice has recently done an extensive research on gender-based violence. Yes. And the statistics were horrendous. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell <laughs> us about them. I remember being at a event early this year or late last year and listening to the numbers and not being able to speak, being so horrified? Um, I can't really touch on specifics myself at the moment, 
although I can definitely say that um, gender-based violence is also rampant on the island, but most times it stems from the trafficking of women. So mm. once they've been trafficked onto the island, that's where they start to experience um, gender-based violence because automatically the rights are taken from them when they are stripped of their own identity. Because, mm. I mean, your passport and the likes, your documentation is your identity in a foreign place, you see. So most times that's where it stems from. And the most sad part about this is it's perpetrated by the same international students, you know, it's not it's not always just um, Cypriots. It's also the students that are telling them, come, come, come. And once they're here, they subject them to all this violence. Or well, we see it quite rampantly in something, as sim- not as simple, uh, uh, female genital mutilation. It's the women that are committing the ge- genital mutilation on, th- on their daughters, even though they know the pain and the difficulties that follow it. So it's often the people that are within the context that perpetrated more, but a lot of the time they perpetrated more because there's a power struggle. Someone's pressurizing them. They're getting money. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I don't think it's always money. I think it's they're pressurized into doing things to keep themselves above board. Exactly. Which is a problem in itself. Yes. So is the... With the students that are coming in, is there a lot of trafficking happening? Yes, there is, to be very honest. Because it's something that happens under wraps and also under the disguise that prostitution is legal here. So oftentimes they are promised a better life or they're promised that once they get here, they can just do this for a certain period and then start school but that never happens. And once that happens, if you're stripped of your documentation, you're based, there's basically nothing you can do except go back home, and that means deportation. And you don't want to go back home? No, oftentimes, no. No, 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 no I'm not talking about you. <laughs> yeah. And often the the women that are find, girls that find themselves in that position would rather stay, exactly. as bad as it sounds, rather than get deported back to their country of origin. Exactly, because they were trying to leave the situation in the first place. So you can imagine how dire it has to be. I know, I know, because people always assume that the refugees that are coming from Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq are coming here because they want to buy an air ticket to get here. They want to come here because they don't want to leave what's there, want to leave it behind. Mm. Um, Within your university community, is this talked about a lot? Hmm, that is a very good question. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough. I can say it's talked about, but just not enough. Because if it was enough, there'd be more happening, you know? There'd be more signs of gender equality and the likes. But in, in individual spaces, we try to, a lot of people try to, you know, engage the conversation and stuff. But Obviously, it's still not easy, and we're dealing with people of different backgrounds, different upbringings, so it's a much harder thing to do. But then also with Voice Cypress, um, trying to reach students is also not as easy because, like I said, it's people of different backgrounds, different religions, and so many differences. Different languages. Exactly. More than anything, different languages. So it's never easy. It's never easy to talk about because 
on the one hand, you're admitting it's happening and no one wants to admit such a thing happens. And on the other hand, some people are pressurized into not speaking. If yes. I'm stuck in that situation, why would I speak? I'm not who I am. I'm a disempowered. I don't have documentation. I don't have a good support system. These people are my only support system. So how would I dare to speak out? Especially knowing that if I went to the police, exactly. what would happen to me? What would happen to me if I went to the police in the north? Um, going to the police without documentation is, a, is an automatic deportation at the moment. We're trying to find ways to combat this. And obviously, it's a process. But that's the reason why a lot of women, like you said, end up staying in these places where they're in danger because they feel like there's nowhere else to go. You know, mm. and sometimes obviously they, they're not aware that voice Cyprus exists. So they feel like they're stuck in this place, this prison, whereby they just have to continue going through what they're going through. And they and feel like they're alone. They feel like they're alone. But in a sense, um, I have, I think that the people that are bringing them here also try to make them feel like family and give them this sense, this false sense of security. You know? No, yes, I understand that they try to act as if they're friends with them yeah. to ensure that they don't go to the police. Exactly. And to ensure that they don't make friends. How easy is it for them to make friends within the context, within that context? Mm, I don't think it's easy because from what I've heard, what I've known over the years when it comes to trafficking on the island is that oftentimes there's a lot of isolation. Mm. So there's no opportunity to make friends at all. It's not like they're in school or anything, the only times you can, let's say, have human contact is with the group of girls you're with in the certain place or the men that you'll be dealing with, you know. I mean, so it sounds terrifying. It is. It, it is sounds terrifying. terrifying. Um, how can we raise awareness? Hmm. Raising awareness can happen in different ways but something that I always dwell on and something that I continue to tell people is the first step is educating because once you educate a person you're able to educate the next person so it kind of just spreads like confetti the same way if I'm kind to you and I talk to you about kindness you can learn to be kind to the next person you know mm. so the biggest thing the biggest thing is education because, for example, in Africa, we know that if you educate, because the reason why they strip a lot of girls of education is because they know that the power, they know of the power that they have. So if you to edu if we were to educate more women, educate the girl child and dismantle the patriarchy, I think we'd go a very long way. Because I personally feel like women's rights are human rights. They're not a matter of privilege. No, but that's true. It's women's human rights. It's not even negotiable anymore. Exactly. Not even negotiable anymore. It's not but, a question anymore. No, it's not a question. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, education is important, but education is also long-term. What do you do now? Because like you said to me, you have a lot of ideas mm -hmm. of looking for gender equality, seeking gender equality and equi gender equity. Tell me about that. Yes. Um. At the moment, on a personal note, what I'm doing to try and make an impact is I am, okay, I have this, it's not a theory, rather, it's more like a reality. The only way to change things is to go to positions of power. 
Mm-hmm. So, and everything that I do right now as I'm schooling here, everything that I do in my everyday basis, my social media and everything, I'm making sure that I am, my goal is to get to a position of power where I can make real change. So I can't say I have immediate um, plans, but I know that once I'm at, the, well, I'm at I'm where I want to be, I can make changes that are more impactful and know that we cannot go back. Okay. Um, so yeah. does that mean you do things like you're very clever about who you tag in your social media posts? Definitely. Um, so who would you tag? You wouldn't tag me. You would tag someone in government or at the UN, and I'm not taking this personally. I'm talking about myself <laughs> as a simple human being. So you would <laughs> tag people at the UN or at the embassies or in yes. ministries? Okay. Yes. Oftentimes, um, just recently, I attended the Best Diplomats Conference um, in Turkey. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. It's under mm-hmm. the United Nations. It's a conference under the United Nations, and the topic for the simulation was women's rights, advocacy, and empowerment. Mm-hmm. So I try my best to put myself in spaces where I can learn, where I can make connections, speak to people, and as much as I'm so shy... <laughs> Um, I'm aware that the cause is more important. So I try to put myself in such spaces whereby I can get to know more people so that I can have a larger jurisdiction, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, yes, in order to make change. Yes. Well, the one thing about getting beyond your shyness is the more information you have on in your head, the less shy you will be. Yes. <laughs> because I'd, I'd like to say it's getting better. Have you pardoned? I'd say I'd like to say it's getting better. I'm here. <laughs> so that's a good step. And you're only 21. <laughs> Give yourself a break. <laughs> Thank you. Give yourself a break. What else do you think we can do as women to women? Because I think that's the, that's the first point of contact for me. Because I think this acknowledgement <laughs> that we should all have access mm-hmm. to information, resources, opportunities, and responsibility is a non-negotiable. But how, But you and I both know this isn't always the case. Yeah. So how do we educate? Because I think the important part for me is we also need to educate the women. Definitely. Um, I think in terms of educating women, we need to find, we need to be more specific about what we're educating them about. You see, it's not just educating them that gender-based violence exists, that you should protect yourself, that you should do this, do that. It's more about how they can recognize it, how they can step away from it, and what they can do for other women. So like I said earlier, confetti. If you do something for the next person, I believe that we can continue to spread this. And it's it's not something that can happen over a day or a decade, unfortunately. It's going to take time. But we also um, need to put pressure because we don't have a lot of time. We don't. We and never I mean, really did. No, and uh, we also know, and this is quite specific to you, that especially I realized there's discrimination about women, but I have the privilege of white skin. And that privilege is a very big privilege that I need to occasionally be reminded that it is a privilege, that it's not, I, I take my white skin for granted. But when someone is Asian or black or 
Arab. I remember going to a conference last year in the Maldives. And when we were leaving, I went in to check in with two Afghan friends. And I pulled out my EU passport, just pulled out my mask because we were all traveling with masks. It was, I've always traveled with masks now anyway. He said, okay, and I left. My two Afghan friends were there for half an hour. And it was yeah. such a stark reminder that white skin, EU passport, I'm cool. And I could be the biggest terrorist because, I mean, but it reminded me of how fortunate I am to have. So women's rights are a lot more important to push for because they're women that don't have the privilege of white skin. And then have yeah. the two discriminations of being a woman and being black or a woman and Asian. And then add a handicap to that. Exactly. It's already tough being a woman. Now imagine being a woman of color yes. and then being a disabled woman. Or there's also issues like um, in countries, middle income countries or low income countries, whereby also because the thing with human rights is, I think human rights are just on paper. You know, the right to shelter, the right to water, the right to education. These are things that we were just told on paper and they're not being realized, not just for women. I mean, it's, there's not impact. Yeah, not for, for anyone. Really. You just, I mean, you just need to look at the war in the Middle East now. The Israelis exactly. have human rights, the Palestinians don't. And no exactly. one's, uh, some people are, but the Americans yesterday you, said, you, don't, mm -hmm. don't vote for a ceasefire. It's okay to kill Palestinians. Exactly. And you may wonder, why are people's lives so easy to take away? You know, the same way with gender-based violence, like what happens in um, places like Botswana, South Africa. Botswana is currently the highest in terms of gender-based violence because we are a small population. So we're just over 2 million. Two, mm -hmm. Yeah, two mil we're just over 2 million. And then... The statistics are saying gender-based violence is at 98% the last time I checked, which is completely insane because you wonder it's insane. why. It's insane. Sorry? It is insane, 90% gender-based violence. Exactly. So that means almost every woman will be a victim, a target of gender-based violence in some form. In, in some form, exactly. It's not just rape. And it goes from babies all the way to old women so that's the other problem like it comes back to what you're saying i fully agree with what you're saying actually and i will take that down that we need to do this quicker mm. because it's a growing pandemic it's ever growing and it's getting worse and worse by the day and we also need to remind people because we always whenever we think of gender-based violence we always think mm -hmm. it's physical and yeah. it's not the worst mm -hmm. gender-based violence, and that is indiscriminate of color, is financial gender-based violence because earning a lower salary is gender-based violence. I'm yes. coming, I've just retired, had to retire because my salary was lower, because I had to work lower, short hours because I was a single parent. I'm now coming out on a pension. That is tragic. Yes. And, it's, and in Cyprus, Pension is related to how much you contribute to social insurance. And I'm expected to live on a pension of under 600 euros. So this gender-based violence, I think we need to make people understand that it, it's financial. It's 
physical, it's psychological, it's sexual. It's There's so many different kinds of gender-based violence and we need to recognize. The other thing I also heard about that's okay. fascinating is that when they test medication, okay, when they're testing drugs to give to people, they test on men. They don't test on women. Did you know this? Hmm. So no, it means I didn't. That, How come? Uh, because you don't test on women because she might be in the middle of her period, so she might have a hormonal imbalance, so they might not get the results they want. So they test drugs on a body of 100 kilos, because that's the average man. I'm giving. So when you give it to a woman, she's actually being overdosed. That's horrific. When I oh. found out these numbers, I thought, you know what, how can they actually justify to themselves not testing on smaller bodied people or women with periods? Because it was not going to work on me when I got my hormones. Why should I be taking it? So this thing of patriarchy and the violence um, exerts and the other type of violence that there is is obstetric violence. When you're forced to have your talk, rather have a Caesar because it's easier on your body and your body will bump into shape. And you're not given a choice of how you can have your baby. Anyway, that's getting yeah. quite complicated. But you, <laughs> it you talk, is. <laughs> No, but I think we need to make people understand that it's not just one thing. It's actually like the the, the threads in a piece of fabric. It's everywhere. Anyway, tell me what you would like to see. You are given a position of power. You're made Commissioner of Gender Equality in North Cyprus. What would be the things you would like to see implemented? Firstly, <laughs> thank you. Um, firstly, I'd say having more women in positions of power because the biggest issue that is happening all over the world if just not of not not just not cyprus is that because there's a lack of enough women in positions of power women are unable to shape their own destinies that's why we have men deciding whether abortion should be legal or illegal mm -hmm. whether what women should do with their bodies you know so i'd say firstly just having more women in positions of power and then I'd say also coming up with the feminist movement, because if you apply more pressure, <laughs> you need to Don't, keep no, having no. the conversation. Just hold on. You have the power. I've made you commissioner for gender equality. Oh, so you're okay. making decisions now. <laughs> what, are, what are decisions you would implement okay. or would like to see implemented? Um, yes, putting more women in positions of power. Um, the training, sorry, the training of people in positions of power already, like police officers and the likes, so they are aware on how to deal with um, gender-based violence cases and the sensitivity. I would ensure that in every space there's safety and that there's space for everybody, not just women, because the goal is gender equity, mm. you know. So it's not just to put shine light on women, because if we do more of that, we might just make it on an even scale. And that's not the point, you know. Mm. So I'd ensure that we realize gender equity, whereby women and men are doing things according to the capabilities and not according to their gender. And how would you yeah. ensure that? Because the biggest problem is the gender pay gap. How would you yes. ensure that? that everyone is given a fair chance? Um, this would need a lot of policies to be set in place, first of all. And secondly, because um, it's different sectors, it's a more complicated situation because there's the private sector, 
the public sector and the likes. So it would be a situation of going into each sector and having to properly dismantle the systems that are already in place and placing new ones. I can't really say, I can't give specifics. You can, no, no, I'm you're doing well. <laughs> no, you, you're <laughs> doing really well. <laughs> no, no, you're doing really well because the woman that's presently commissioner for gender equality in the South is a friend of mine and she used to be an activist. And that's exactly what she's doing, going into each department and um, deconstructing or trying to reconstruct systems so that gender equality is not marginal. As part of the mm. system. So educating everyone at every level, not leaving people behind. So you're doing well. I'll vote for you, you in a few years' time. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And what, what, as a human being, what would you like to be doing in, a, in five years' time? Where would you like to be taking this gender equality activism? Um, in five years' time. Hmm. <laughs> Would you like, first of all, would you, would you like to go back to Botswana? No, not at the moment. Um, with the situation in Botswana at the moment, I don't think it's very ideal for me to go there because also I just went on holiday in Botswana. I was in Botswana for two months and some of the things I experienced, especially like in terms of gender-based violence, were horrific. So I think I need to build up myself first. So that by the time I'm ready to face, so by the time I go back, I'm facing this issue head on, mm. not just freezing when a man tries to kept call me or tries to assault me, you know. <laughs> so yeah, um, in the next five years, I want to be in a place that's closer to being president. So that's the goal. So I can't really, I don't really have plans that are set in place. I just know that in everything that I do, but day by day, it, there's a goal that I am trying to reach. So I can't say in five years I want to see myself in this position or in this. I just know that I'm going to be build to continue to build. So what do you so what you would like to be going forward is part of the system. So you can change yes. the system from within. Yes. Okay. What are you studying? Um at the moment I'm studying public relations and advertising. Okay. My fourth okay. year. Okay, the way you present things is very important, and we don't realize that. And how many? And you finishing this year? Um, next year, July. This is my. I just started my fourth year, my last year. Okay. Yes. So you're going to finish. Yes, that's what I mean. This the second. Oh, this school year. Yes. This academic year, and then you will. You plan to stay in North Cyprus, or you would? No, no. I'd like to pursue my master's somewhere else in gender, race, sexuality. A master okay. of arts, yes. Have you started scouting for universities? Yes, I have. We've tried to find the best universities. And are they looking good? Is it easy to find? Um. Yes, it is easy to find, obviously. You go on the internet, it's easy to find places, but I'm also trying to dwell on places where I can also get um, funding, mm -hmm. you know, because that would be helpful for my parents. So that's also another factor. So, but is so it, far, so good. Is it easy for you to jump from North Cyprus to Europe? Um, because I know the question of status is important, and that's the reason I'm bringing it up. Um, in what sense? Jumping in what sense? Would you be able to? You, I know your degree is recognizable because I, but can you, as a Botswanan, 
Um, government study oh, yes, yes. in yes I can oh, okay okay so your yeah. goal is to get stay in Europe yes for now not sure where exactly but for now I'd like to stay this side on these okay. sides <laughs> and how's your Turkish my Turkish well um I can't say I can have a full-blown conversation but there's certain things that I can catch on which is a bad thing I should know more by now you should know more. You've been living there for four years. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's on me, to be honest. No, no, don't take it like that because <laughs> I'm a Greek Cypriot. I should speak. I should be speaking Turkish. I think it's unacceptable <laughs> that I'm not. But you also don't okay. learn the language a lot because you stick together with the foreign students, the international students. Yes. So you end honest. up. So you end up speaking English mostly. Yes. How are you to make friends? Um, it depends on the spaces you're in. But for me, like I came here with um already knowing a few people, so it wasn't very hard for me. And once I arrived, my best friend arrived about a week later. So I I'd say I've had an easy transition. Um, but making friends in general for everybody, I don't think it's that easy because not everybody speaks on campus. And obviously, the most obvious thing, the language barrier. So unless there's class and maybe you're living in a dormitory, it's quite hard to make friends. Okay. I would imagine and that... And it depends, was... like I said, on the spaces you get into. Okay. And uh, Eastern Mediterranean University is in Famagusta? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you, when you leave, you'll really cherish your time here because even though it's difficult it's unique definitely i have learned so much from being here <laughs> you it's can't forget not cyprus and no it's very unique because even unless even for me as a cypriot i speak to people that haven't lived here unless you live this madness of the checkpoints and the north that's unrecognized and the south that's recognized and the fact that mm -hmm. we all go backwards and forwards yet there's no recognition that's madness. It's really <laughs> madness to me. Mm -hmm. And okay. I think it takes a very strong person to stay here. But that's why you can look back on this experience and think, whoa, I survived that and I learned exactly. and I made friends. Exactly. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to say before we close? Um, hmm. I, I see you're I, also a podcaster. Yes, I am. Although I'm guilty of saying, of, I'm guilty to say I haven't really recorded in a while. It's been about two months now. I think I've just been occupied with a lot of different things, but I still hope to hop back on it. I love what, doing this. <laughs> I also do. What, what do you speak about on your podcast? Um, different things. But once I began my podcast, I was speaking about my mental health journey because mm. I had quite a lengthy journey with mental illnesses. So I was speaking about how I got out of it. I was trying my best to be a voice for the voiceless and the likes. But that's the whole frame of my podcast. If not uh, mental health, it's gender-based violence as well. All sorts of things that I'm about, really. Do you want to give a short synopsis about your mental health journey or not? Oh, no, it's okay. I've gotten quite comfortable with speaking about it because... I'm not there anymore. Um, my mental health journey was quite lengthy. It was throughout my high school years. So that was about, for about five years. 
So I was constantly trying to kill myself. I was on medication, psychiatric clinics. It was quite a lengthy battle, but I made it out, you know, and I carry my scars on my sleeves as a testament to that. And who was your biggest help in all of this? My biggest help? Firstly, I'd say it was writing, because writing really got me through a lot. So that's why I often does that. Yeah. (laughs) Writing helped me through a lot. And then eventually I stopped speaking and speaking and I turned to God. Okay. And what about your parents? My parents were a big help, obviously, but I, it was hard for them. It was not easy, especially because I was young. I was just, I started, I was ill. The first time I started, I tried to kill myself. I was 14. So it was also just, uh, you know, they did a lot for me. So I know I should definitely thank them as well and my siblings. Now, I mean, I can understand them not knowing what to do, but also yeah. understand the pain that it must have been for them seeing you battling and possibly not knowing why and what to do. So kudos to you for having pulled yourself through this. Thank you. It means a ton, really. And now you're still seeing a psychiatrist or therapist or you've gone right beyond on the other side? Um, Somewhat on the other side. Um, Sometimes when I'm feeling a bit down, I can decide to just go see my psychologist just for, you know, just for a session to ground myself, but it's not like a need. I am able to pull myself out of situations now. I'm able to calm the voices in my head. I'm in a much better space. I have more control, you know, over the situation. Lots of admiration for you because I think it takes a lot of courage to first admit you need help. Thank you. It was hard. I'm sure it was hard. And I'm sure it continues to be a battle. Yes. Because it's not something that's just when it's over, it's over. It's something you, as you said, you've got your scars to remind you. But you've also got your scars to remind you that you're over it. I have. I've been clean for about two years now. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm very (laughs) glad you're here. Very glad you're here. And it's very important to be able to talk about challenges with mental health because we don't talk about them and i think especially after COVID, everyone had some kind of mental health challenge because COVID was not easy on most people it was a situation most of us had not programmed or planned to go through and most of us didn't know how to cope with the fact of being isolated or um at home or being dependent on people or getting sick with no one to help you yeah, more than anything, I think not just the isolation, but now being forced to sit with your thoughts and not really having much to distract, yeah. you know, which is a problem in itself because it means that a lot of people were formerly prior to that needed help, but were just distracted. Yes. You know, yeah. But I do that. My sister laughs at me. I keep on having these conversations in my head. And then she'll talk to me and I'll say, just stop interrupting me. I'm having a conversation. I'm having a conversation. <laughs> and she, she can't cope with this. But I do have these wild conversations. I've got another friend who I'll have this wild conversation in my head. And then I'll say something to her. She said to me, 
where did that come from? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. That's all part of the conversation I was having in my head. I'm so, so only, sorry I didn't let you in. <laughs> exactly. So only now that I need your input. <laughs> so we all had we all have our different issues. It's good to be able to laugh about it, but it's also good to acknowledge that there are challenges. Yes. And, and some there's of us no need, shame. Exactly. And there's no shame in asking for help as well. Yes. Or shame. No I'm shame not coping, you know. I'm I'm battling. Help me reach. I'm reaching out to you. So good is to you and stay clean. Okay. Thank you. Well. <laughs> and stay talking about um mental health. We can't talk enough about it. About mm-hmm. the fact that it's not a shame. And let's continue the good fight for gender equality as well. Gender equity. Gender equity, thank gender you. Gender equity. <laughs> okay. Thank you so um, much. Lovely to have you on this um podcast Le Bogan, and I must admit the last 10 minutes have been the most fascinating to be honest because it's nice when people are calm enough and secure enough to be able to acknowledge their weaknesses of the past not their weaknesses their challenges of the past sorry come again not the weaknesses the challenges of the past exactly the challenges <laughs> of the past so um, lovely to have you with us um, look forward to seeing you go forward up in the scale of power. Thank you. <laughs> I, will I will remember go. you. <laughs> and I will remind you every now and again to continue staying clean and to continue climbing the ladder. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank and you ha- so much for having me. You're very welcome. I'm really excited when younger people want to speak because we need to start giving more space to the younger voices. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have a lovely rest of the day. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in. And remember, no shame in asking for help. Exactly. Thank you okay. so much, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Until next time. Goodbye. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.